0: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Loeb, Game and I am your host. And today we have a Q&A with my Q&A. wonderful producer, Scott Drockelman.
1: I did a ghost thing already, but I felt like kind of like a Field of Dreams kind of vibe. Like was if, a very you, sad if, movie. You, if you build it, they will come. He will come. He will come. I don't know why. It's just what was in my heart today. Just in the same way that my terrible jokes end yeah. up being a trigger for you. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. And, and the blind rage that you feel. Our question today
0: Was yeah,
1: how do I identify my triggers? Deeply personal, probably for a lot of folks, but I think that there's probably some framework that you might be able to lay out and provide some examples for yourself. What do you got?
0: Well, I want to say that I think trigger, the word trigger has gotten a, a bit of a bad rap lately. Like, let's talk about that for a second. So let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Basically, the word trigger has taken on a life of its own, right? So people say colloquially, as I can't say colloquially.
1: Colloquially? 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 colloquially.
0: People say, I, I feel say triggered.
1: Colloquiokey. <laughs>
0: no, I don't say that. <laughs> People say things like, I feel triggered, and it's very much associated with oversensitivity and not being able to handle anything and so on and so forth. So I do want to acknowledge that triggers have that, they they have this new reputation as being silly and kind of, Overdone. Okay. Unfortunately, triggers are really real and important to identify. And part of how you identify them is going inside internally and having a connection with how you feel, which is a really, really important piece. Some people are really good at that. I'm not. I'm a person who isn't always aware of how I'm feeling, how my body's feeling, emotions like my brain and body just shut them down. And so getting in touch with a trigger for me is a really mindful process. And I have to think about why is it that I feel different? Why is it that my back feels funny? Why is it that I get this feeling in my stomach? Why? Like there's, I have to really do almost like an investigative process around what is going on. Something isn't right and I don't know what it is. And then I figure out, oh, I get really triggered when XYZ happens. And then I figure out, oh, that thing. So uh, to be more specific, for uh, give you an example. So one of my core issues is feeling unheard. There are circumstances where I'm not directly being unheard. It's not like someone didn't hear me. They heard what I said or, you know, but there's something about the situation that triggers that feeling of being unheard. It isn't a direct correlation, a really obvious definition, but it is triggering that particular feeling in me. And so I will have an outsized reaction to something that's happening, something that's going on that isn't really appropriate based on all the other variables. When I notice, I've learned to notice, Oh huh, that's interesting. My reaction right now is pretty intense. It's pretty big. It feels bigger than, than everyone else. I'll kind of look around the room, like no one else is reacting this intensely. That gives me the information. Oh, something about this is triggering something else. I'm, I'm being more intense or more whatever than everyone else. That, investigation that 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 I just talked about, those steps, all the way to come down to, oh, this triggers a core issue. What that does is it allows me to go into situations where I think that might happen and prepare myself for the onset of some emotions that might feel really big and decide how I'm going to handle it. Maybe I don't go into the situation. Maybe I don't go into the situation without having gone to a meeting before. Maybe I don't go into the situation without doing a meditation or a phone call, or maybe I, you know, have a phone call before and a phone call after, you know, maybe I craft a script that I'm going to use so that I don't insert any type of emotion or or outburst or whatever. That's the importance of defining and figuring out what triggers are, because ultimately over time, if you continue to... Have triggers, you don't know why you feel this way, you don't know what's happening, you don't know where they're coming from. And it's over and over and over again in different areas of your life. You start to feel really out of control and seek relief. And ultimately, relief, the relief that we sought as people who abuse substances, was substances. And so, this is how a cascade of triggers can lead to a relapse.
1: Can you help me understand? So, that makes sense to kind of do preventative things. But how how are you anticipating? So like I can imagine the feeling of feeling unheard isn't something you can necessarily anticipate. What do, what do you yeah, do with like that? How,
0: how does that apply? So it's typically with very specific circumstances or people, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll happen with certain people. I know that going into conversations with them or spending time with them that It is more likely than not that something that they say is going to make, is going to trigger that little, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of just. Almost like a little jab. They may not have meant it that way. They might, you know, whatever it is, but that's how it feels. It would be a specific person, or maybe there's certain types of work meetings that you go to, and one person always manages to say something to undermine you, or certain groups, maybe your spouse, they went to a very fancy college and their college reunion you go to. And every time you go to that reunion, everybody's like, well, where did you, you know, go to school? There's like a, I prepare myself. I have come to get into close relationship with peace different parts of myself and different insecurities that I have and I know that when I'm going into certain situations it doesn't matter what I do or what people actually think my insecurity is is at the forefront because of the 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 subject or the group type if I anticipate that it's like adjusting a thermostat like I can predict that it's going to feel hotter in the room (laughs) than it actually is. So I turn my thermostat down a little bit colder than it would normally be to keep me more even keeled I try to be really aware of it in my head I go oh you're feeling unheard right now that's okay I have a little conversation with myself that goes something like that that's okay we can we can deal with you know we'll we'll figure that out later right now we're gonna have the normal response you're gonna say the nice thing and then we'll 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 work it out later You don't need to tell that person what you think you don't need to make sure that they hear you you don't need to come you know get real aggressive or whatever it is just stay calm and it's fine. Early on, I had other triggers. And I know other people have, you know, there's other triggers. If you're in early sobriety, people don't want to leave a party early because they're worried about what everybody else thinks of them. And if they're they're paying attention to you, and if they're going to think you're a loser, or if they're going to think you blah, 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 like that would be a trigger. And why that matters? Because as a result of what other people think, you may take different action that is counterproductive to your sobriety.
1: Well, first of all, I didn't hear any of that, but um. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I love it that's uh, they, good. there's a I whole like
1: category there's a whole category just called Scott in triggers they teach that a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. places so that's good what were some of the other specific ones for you like early early days
0: well like okay I'll tell you some like little so I had a boyfriend that was a very sought after tattoo artist so he was like alluring and cool and whatever and his abilities and fidelity were wanting (laughs) so anyway he his phone had a certain ringtone and then Mm. also had a certain text message ringtone and it was like one of the stock ones that came on these phones for years when I heard that tone, I felt like I was going to vomit. And <laughs> it was so visceral for me, this, this like fucking ringtone that everyone has on their phone. And it was for me because at that time, it was like I was going through the phone. I was, who's he texting? Blah, 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 blah. All those things. It was like this gnarly trigger that physically came over me. And it, for years, years after we weren't together, I was like the fucking ringtone and the stuff like that early in sobriety, stuff like that, that'll definitely make you want to drink. You, th- you know what the biggest trigger is? Songs. I have a song. I have a. This is kind of like took a dark turn, but I was abused to a song at a treatment center. This was at one of the lockdown places. They put me on this stool and put me a foot in front of this television screen and they put on Requiem for a dream, and they played it for hours and made me sit on this stool with it up very loud. And then both of them were screaming, like both of these big guys on the other side were like, "This is your life, this is where you' headed." And it was hours and hours of like watching this and listening to this and whatever. And so like the theme song of that, there's like a very specific song that I don't I don't remember what it's called, but like, I will remove myself if I hear that's any of that stuff. Like I absolutely cannot at all manage that. So like, I mean, that's a trigger, right? Like in order to maintain any set, like I just know I remove myself. I have coping skills that are, that's an okay coping skill for me. Yeah. I can't do this song. I need to remove myself. I've never been in a situation where it was playing and I couldn't
1: leave. I'm sure that that's a possibility, but. What do you do with the more like environmental kinds of ones? Like obviously leave, but are there other things like other strategies you can employ? What do you do with that?
0: For a long time, I did not put myself in situations where I couldn't easily leave. Meaning I drove everywhere, even on a date I would drive. They would drive their own vehicle. Mm. I would drive separately from everybody. I needed initially a lot of control over my environment, which included the ability to have an escape plan or to leave and have it not affect everybody else. It's easier to drive alone or, you know, take an Uber alone or whatever it is. It's easier to remove yourself from a situation if you aren't going to really deeply affect someone else getting home or some other. Like, I found if people were dependent on me staying there, that really complicated things. But if I could have a way out, then that was helpful. Now that I have kids, it's a bit different, right? A lot of the time I can't just leave without really disrupting everything, but I still can do it. It's still, you know, I still, it is, it is an option that I will do to protect myself if I need to. But more, More commonly, if I feel triggered by something, whatever that is, I do like really deep breathing techniques, which sounds, I remember early on people telling, you know, like, oh, good, breathe. Like, what a shitty coping skill you are offering me to a traumatic, you know, whatever. However, if you look into the neurochemistry of what happens when you take these types of breaths and how it calms your nervous system, what it does, there is incredible neuroscience behind various breathing techniques that truly will calm your nervous system down. And that is definitely something that I employ if I'm, you know, technically, stuck somewhere. But in the beginning, I was, you know, in in early sobriety, I was really careful about that
1: aren't a lot of the breathing things like when you actually break it down, it's just the backwards effect, like you're trying to tell your body to breathe in the way that it does when it's in a safe environment. Isn't that basically the premise of it? That's one of
0: the things, yes. By changing your breathing, your brain literally operates as if everything's okay. And so it starts to change the chemicals that are moving around. Another technique that I use is stimulating the vagus nerve. And Mm. you can do that by deep humming. Deep humming. That vibration or like gargling water, that vibration stimulates the vagus nerve and causes the nervous system to calm down. So if, you know, I can quietly hum or do something in the corner and just focus on that if it's really bad or go into the bathroom, gargle water, whatever those things are, and you can really stimulate the vagus nerve, which will help calm
1: your body. Oh, do you have any kind of shortcut or like code words that you use with DAC or with your friends or things like that? That's just a way of like we got to bail.
0: No, I I don't think there's shorthand per se. Although I think it's like one of those things with couples where like you look at each other and you're like I really need to go, and they know your facial expressions or your family. Like I've been places and my face often betrays me, and so people who know me like they take a one look at me and. If I'm unhappy or whatever. And it's like, I have, sometimes I don't even know I'm unhappy until they point it out. And I'm like, you're right. I was, I guess I am. And that my face was telling you that. Like, I think it's more when I, if I say something and I'm, it's, it's uncommon for me to do it. So when I've done it, I'm pretty like, yo, this is not going to work for me. Yeah. I, it, a lot of people, I, you know, I've talked about this before. Like the grocery store was a huge trigger for me. It's where I bought, I didn't go to bars, I bought my alcohol in grocery stores. So when I would go grocery shopping, shopping, I would stay on the phone with my little sister the whole time. And then I wouldn't think about it. And eventually I grew out of that. I think, you know, figuring out what your triggers are and, and therapists are really great at helping you figure that out. And also mapping, like when noticing when you have a strong emotional response to something or noticing when your response doesn't match the response of everybody else in the room. That That's a big indicator for me that I'm something's up because I am, no one else is feeling this strongly. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean you're, you know, you could be really passionate about it and that's okay. But it's good to notice that your response is not like the others kind of deal. And that will help lead you to a trigger. Also mapping backward, if you have a relapse or you almost relapse, mapping backwards, what are the things, that happened. I was staying. So the twins were 10 weeks old. My mom and I drove up from Southern California to Northern California. I was staying at my parents' house and the twins came down with RSV at 10 weeks old and which is a a breathing, you know, respiratory virus that's very serious at that age. And they were in and out of the hospital. The twins were there. We were in my old room and I had to leave one who was struggling to breathe to take the other one who was more struggling to breathe. And I'm only 10 weeks out from from having them and, you know, in a hospital, whatever, they can't do anything for it. Sometime in this interim, I go downstairs, I open the fridge, my parents' house, and Again, two things. One, I'm staying in the bedroom I grew up in with my with the kids. And two, that's a refrigerator, the 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 laundry room refrigerator, the second refrigerator is where I would hide alcohol, right, when I was a kid. And so I'm going down there, I open it up. Normally, I don't even see it's like I don't even see it's like it's like you're you you're allergic to strawberries you open up a refrigerator. I mean, I suppose your brain's sees the strawberries but because it's off limits you just don't even it's like i'm looking for other things right but i open the fridge and i very quickly am focused on the alcohol that's in the fridge i hold the door open for a little bit too long like it's there's a process of things that are different than the thousands of other times i've been in this situation and been fine and i'm 10 years sober at this point and i realize, you know, whoa, I'm really, I really looked at that and thought about that for a bit too long. Close the door, go upstairs, whatever, call, you know, call my people. And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm not okay. But if you had asked me up until that moment, I was in such survival that I didn't really know how bad my headspace was until that moment when something that doesn't normally happen was happening. And then, of course, it's like, oh, well, duh. You you know, your kids, your new babies. You got two babies in the hospital. You're by yourself. Your husband's at home. You're at your parents' house that you grew up in. You're in the house that you're in the room you overdosed in. And downstairs is the fridge you used to... Like, yeah, duh. But if you... None of that stuff. I was paying attention to none of it. And so when you identify triggers, sometimes you just notice that you're responding a little bit differently or that you pay attention a little bit differently, and then you can work backwards from there and see, oh, uh-oh, I better do something because I'm kind of in trouble here. And, and that, that is what I did. I've had other moments, Like that, where and and the value of being connected to community, where I could just pick up the phone and say, "This is what just happened," and have people say, "Well, yeah, duh, look what's (laughs) going on, and here's what you should do, and here's how we can support you," and blah 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 blah. And then I'm then I'm sucked back into my community and my the headspace, like I'm that I'm being re nourished with the ideas and the lifestyle that I need. There was another situation I was dating this guy, early sobriety, and he decided to get loaded. He decided to, to relapse. And I say that because he he did end up getting sober again. So it wasn't like he decided to, you know, drink normally, mm-hmm. like he fully decided to relapse. So he's drinking, and I'm like, well, I can't leave the relationship. So we're dating and he's drinking, and I'm going along with him. I'm like, well, that's you know his choice. I'm going along with it. Things are getting progressively worse in our relationship and more stressful and dysfunctional. And we go to a concert, we get to the concert and we're in line to get a beer, I order a beer for myself. I have a beer in my hand and my phone rings and it's my friend Joanne. I answer it and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, oh, well, I'm at the Slightly Stupid show with, you know, said boyfriend and, uh, you know, I got, just got a beer and we're going to what blah, blah. And she goes, you, you what? I said, yeah, just, you know. And I'm so disconnected. I'm so, it's been such a cascade of Shitty decisions based on, you know, self esteem, based on lack of life skills, all the things, right? That by the time I, that's why they say, like in AA 12 step program, they say, like, no mental defense against the first drink. I had no mental defense. I had a beer in my hand and did not see anything wrong with it, like, complete detached from reality. And she calls me. She goes, why don't you put that down? Okay. I put it down, whatever, and she starts talking to me, and she's like, "Yeah, I don't think you should drink." So I didn't end up drinking. The boyfriend got so so hammered that he was vomiting, and I, and thank God I hadn't been drinking because I had to drive us home, and it you know could have been DUI, and it could have been all this other stuff. And I did, you know, that's a story. I didn't relapse all because I was connected to community, and one of my people called me, and I pick, I've been trained to pick up the phone. Every day I'm paying into this insurance policy by showing up and being part of this community. And the insurance policy is I go on many days where I'm fine and I'm good even. And I create this community and these relationships and whatever. And then because I'm connected to the community, it's normal for them to check in with me. It's normal for them to know what's going on with me. It's normal for them to call me. And it's normal for me to answer the phone. And as a result of all of those habits and all of that training, when I'm there in the moment, no mental defense against the first drink, whether that's in front of this fridge when, you know, I feel like everything's falling apart or, or, you know, at the beer garden at, you know, a show, I have some sort of connection to where and what I'm supposed to be doing. And Somehow that has pulled me out when, those, when all those cascade of triggers hit me and, and basically take me to this vulnerable place.
1: Mm, I love that. That's a perfect analogy for sure. Well, what about, how about just, just to close, how about is there, if you were looking for a book or uh, some sort of, some place to take a deeper dive and explore this a little bit more, where would you send people who are wanting to learn more about their triggers or more about sort of defense against some of those triggers?
0: One of them is called The Body Keeps the Score, which I've talked about before. And it's a really, 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 really good one. And it helps us understand a lot of our reactions to the world. Another is called From Triggered to Tranquil by Susan Campbell. There's trigger workbooks. So if you just go online and look up, you know, mental health workbook triggers, things like that, you can read and learn a lot about you know what's going on for you what's triggering your behaviors we all you know there there are triggers that trigger us to feel good trigger just means something that starts you feeling a certain way that 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 pushes you or or causes you to feel a certain way and that can be a positive or a negative thing it's good to understand both
1: Well, hopefully this was helpful for folks if you're struggling in this area. Ashley, any last things that you want to leave the people with?
0: If you have questions that you want to be part of our Q&A series, please email us your questions at podcast at lionrock.life. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a diverse and supportive recovery community offering weekly over 70 online peer support meetings, useful recovery information, and entertaining content. Whether you're newly sober, have many years in recovery, or you're recovering from something other than drugs and alcohol, we have space for you. Visit www.lionrock.life today and enter promo code COURAGE for one month of unlimited peer support meetings free. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.